Good evening. Welcome to Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And tonight we're doing First Peter, God's chosen strangers. First Peter, First Peter one. The first, oh yeah, First Peter one. The first of uh, Peter's two missiles, his two letters. Um, it's an interesting. Uh, as we go through this, you're going to see a lot of depth and a lot of history and things like that. I'll, mm-hmm. I like that stuff. I'll pull it out. But um, the first thing is we know this was written before AD 65 mm-hmm. because according to church tradition, that's when Peter died. Oh, yes. Yeah, so so it was obviously. probably between 60 and 65, which was his time period in Rome mm-hmm. because he talks about suffering and persecution. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw something. I, I This website, Enduring Word, I got a couple things out here I just okay. thought was funny. Um Peter's name is mentioned in the Gospels more than anyone except Jesus. Oh. And no one speaks in the Gospel as often as Peter did. And Jesus spoke more to Peter than any other individual. Mm. So, it's interesting. It is interesting. Jesus rebuked Peter more than any other disciple, and Mm -hmm. Peter was the only one who dared to rebuke Jesus. Jesus, oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, he could have not done that and it would have been okay that that he denied jesus more forcefully and jesus praised him more than any other disciple and he's the only one he referred to as satan (laughs) so (laughs) it's interesting a lot of these a lot of things we have to remember here um peter's actual role in the early church uh he was a he was a leader to the point where he was many would consider to be the leader of the church Mm -hmm. as a whole uh james was the church in jerusalem right uh, Paul was a wandering missionary, mm-hmm. and Peter was pre- pretty much the the one who, you know, stepped into a leadership role immediately right. after. And we see it in Acts and mm-hmm. Pentecost and those yeah. things that Peter really... I mean, he was the first one who preached after Pentecost, right. right there. He was the first one to come out and really actively continue the ministry after mm-hmm. Jesus' resurrection. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so let's get into it. This yeah. is First Peter 1. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm going to read from the CEB, Common English Bible. Don't okay. know why I chose that one today, but it's the one I chose. So, um, And I got, uh, it's so easy. If you haven't gone to BibleGateway.com yet, you can. they have a bunch of different translations, and you can pick and choose whichever one you want to feel like reading. So this is the one I picked today. I, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's chosen strangers in the world of the diaspora, who live in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father chose you because of what he knew beforehand. He chose you through the Holy Spirit's work of making you holy, and because of the faithful obedience and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, may God's grace and peace be multiplied to you. That was 1 Peter 1 and 2. Okay, so today we've been, we were, we're doing... Um, uh, VBS, Vacation Bible School at our church. And today, Jane, in her, where she does the story, she actually wrote up a map yeah, of drew, drew like the Mediterranean, Mediterranean area and the Adriatic and stuff. And a lot of these places that Peter is mentioning here are on that map. You're right. They're all part of Asia Minor. Um, they would include places, everything from uh, Greece to Turkey, all that area in there. Um, and, and- and one thing, mm-hmm. I will say good night to our son Peter. Yes. Good night, guys. Good yes, night, Peter. he's he's visiting from Spearfish for the next two weeks, and uh, it's lovely to have him home with us. Yeah. All right, Pete. All right. Good night, bud. 
Okay. So. All right. Yeah. So that's that's who he's talking to, but it's a general letter. Yeah, it this is a general. It's not it's to not a like, church. Yeah, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, to the Colossians, to the Romans. Peter is speaking in general here, and um, it's 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 a, applicable and addressed to all Christians. And is it diaspora? Yeah. Okay, diaspora is um, the dispersion of the Jewish people beyond Israel because of persecution. They all fled. It's yeah, also no. it can be the dispersion of any people from their homeland. Well, and Peter Peter probably referred to that um, as a comparison because. The diaspora happened after the Babylonian Empire conquered Jerusalem and forcibly took all the Jews out. Mm-hmm. And then they spread out throughout the world. The Babylonian Empire fell and they didn't all return to Israel. They were all right. over the world. So Peter is kind of drawing a parallel there by using the same word. He's kind of drawing a parallel there to um, the fact that the church is scattered all over. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's in one place. Okay, so I looked up. So this CEB uses to God's chosen strangers, mm-hmm. but there's a f- other translations say things like God's people scattered like foreigners, God's chosen people living as aliens, exiles scattered to the four winds, temporary residents. And I think it's neat to think about the idea that we should embrace this title even now. Mm-hmm. One of these, you know, as see it as part of our identity in Christ, that we are strangers in this world. Yeah, and that's something we talk about a lot in our faith, is that you know, this is not our home. And But Peter is, when he, he puts it this way, he puts them as exiles scattered throughout the provinces. But it's interesting to think that exiles of what? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, the Jews were exiled from Israel. Right. Where are we exiles from? Heaven. Exactly. So it's yeah. a little bit different here. But, yeah. yeah. But I think he's talking about that too. Yeah. We're God's chosen strangers in this world. We, right. Um, in the NIV it says to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of, and he lists those. Yeah. And then he says, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Um, he just went through uh, a big part of the full faith and message Mm-hmm. Of our church there, um, and the Trinity's chosen right there. by God the Father through the work of the Spirit, obedient to Jesus, and through His blood, mm-hmm. redeemed through His blood. Yeah, He mentions the Trinity, and He mentions um, salvation and sanctification, uh, sanctifying work. And again, if you look as a language nerd here, um, that is a when they say sanctifying. Mm-hmm. That is an infinitive. That means it is process. Yeah. Yes. And then also, I thought in that verse two, it says we find out that we are made holy through the Holy Spirit's work. Mm-hmm. He calls us to be holy, but it's not through our own effort. It's the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Yeah, and it's not. You know, we just <laughs> trust, and that kind of we don't put on holiness as in a set of rules. I think there have been times past in the church and in some churches these days, some Christians think they have a set of rules they have to go by. And if you tick all these boxes and do these things, that means you're holy. And no, but that's Peter not says everyone who is a true follower of Christ mm-hmm. um, and has been washed in the blood is being sanctified through the Holy Spirit as mm-hmm. we speak. 
Mm-hmm. It's a process that goes on in your lifetime. You yeah. are growing in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's why I always think of sanctification is I'm growing more like Christ, so right. I'm growing in Christ. I'm growing closer and closer to what God really intended us to be in the very yeah. first place. Amen. We're going closer to what we used to be. Do you want to read the 3 through 9? Sure. 3 through 9. Okay. I'll read it in your translation to start with here. Okay. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be blessed. On account of his vast mercy, he has given us new birth. You have been born anew into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You have a pure and enduring inheritance that cannot perish, an inheritance that is presently kept safe in heaven for you. Through his faithfulness, you are guarded by God's power so that you can receive the salvation he is ready to reveal in the last time. You now rejoice in this hope, even if it's necessary for you to be distressed for a short time by various trials. This is necessary so that your faith may be found genuine. Your faith is more valuable than gold, which will be destroyed, even though it itself is tested in fire. Your genuine faith will result in praise, glory, and honor for you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you've never seen him, you love him. Even though you don't see him now, you trust him, and so rejoice with a glorious joy that is too much for words. You are receiving the goal of your life, of your faith, your salvation. You know, I love verse 8 where it says, Although you have never seen him, you love him. Even though you don't see him now, you trust him. That's just part of the verse. Mm-hmm. But I just love those. You know, I... There's a lot of... A lot of meat in here. Yeah, there's a lot of hope in here. And there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, beliefs that are lined out here. What would you, how would you describe to someone if they read Living Hope? How would you describe that to, like, someone has no idea what you're talking about? Well, you have to take that in its entirety, I think. When I look at three, it says, On account of his vast mercy, he has given us new birth. Okay, because God loves us, mm-hmm. this happened. You have been born anew through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So because of the resurrection of Jesus, heaven is a possibility for us. So we have a living hope that is in front of us and is... Is as long as we're alive, that hope is alive. Mm. It is a living hope, and and when we leave this world, whether it's through death or through Jesus' return, that hope will be realized. Mm. We have a living hope. It's a constant, and, and it's a constant. That's one of the things he talks about here is is this constance, right? The living hope, and then later he goes down and and talks about. Um, through his faithfulness, you are guarded by God's power mm-hmm. so that you can receive the salvation he is ready to reveal in the last time. In other words, right now, you are guarded by God. That's part of that living hope. Right. And I do. I did look up here the message because mm-hmm. that's just in reg- American English. He says, um, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including mm-hmm. a future in heaven, and the future starts now. Right. So that's also the living hope is the hope we have for heaven mm-hmm. and eternal life. Jesus always talked about eternal life is now. You know, the kingdom of heaven is among you. The kingdom of God is within you. Right. It's here. So And it is right here right now. Yeah. We are we are right now in the kingdom of heaven if we are followers of Christ simply because of that living hope and the fact that it's a guarantee. Mhm. God is God's salvation is a guarantee. It's not a, it's not a come and go thing. So, 
I had something else I was thinking of. In mm-hmm. 7, it says, this is necessary, meaning the distressing Distress. and trials and stuff, right. so that your faith may be found genuine. So when I read that, obviously God already knows one way or the other because he knows everything. So is the faith found genuine for us personally, do you think? I think so. So we know where we stand with Jesus? And so that we grow. And we grow. Well, that is true how we talked about on Monday. We have a Monday night Bible study. And two Monday nights ago, we talked about one person brought up um, something that God was working on in her life. And we mentioned uh, the verse in John where Jesus says, "When you, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. So if God shows us an honest revealing of where we are in our faith, then... We can start there. And we're not under any pretension or uh, we're not deceiving ourselves. We know where we stand and when when we go through trials mm-hmm. and God can work on us still. So. Right. And that's that concept of the refining fire also. Yeah. Um, if you were to find a, a lump of gold somewhere in the dirt. Oh, yeah. Like it's not today. pure. <laughs> yeah. In VBS we did that. Um, it's not pure. Right. And that's why if you go to buy gold, you'll see 24 carat, 18 carat, 10 carat, you know, all the mm-hmm. different carats. And what that carat just simply means is purity level. And um, the so, higher the number, the more pure it is. So, like, if you had 10 carat and you started to put it in the fire, you could get it to 24 carat? Yes. But in doing so, you burn off all the impurities. So it gets so, smaller and smaller. Yes. So it gets, it, it gets smaller and it becomes, as it becomes smaller it becomes more precious right it becomes more pure Mm -hmm. and that's you know when we were in somalia they were selling there'd be people on the street some beautiful filigree gold work over there and uh for an african the concept of anything other than 24 karat gold was inconceivable it's not real gold it's Mm -hmm. not gold so they get the gold does somalia have gold yeah there's it's in africa somewhere Oh. And then they they designed it. The artisans over there just did beautiful work. So, did you buy any of that? No, no. I, I had people either. that did though. I had a, I had people that I worked with that bought it as an investment. Oh well, yeah. All right. <clears throat> so let's see here. What else in this three through nine? Um, oh, you know, I thought that was interesting. Nine says you are receiving the goal of your faith, your mm-hmm. salvation. I guess I've never thought of my faith having a goal. I mean, I know I've read this before, but... Well, let's back it up and throw eight in there, too, so it's contextual here. Although you've never seen him, you love him. Even though you don't know him, you trust him. Or see him, even though you see him, though. Even though you don't see him, you trust him. And so rejoice with a glorious joy that is too much for words. You are receiving the goal of your faith, your salvation. You are receiving the goal. I don't think it's the goal of your faith, mm-hmm. but you are receiving what your the purpose of your faith. You are receiving your salvation. These, this is very positive opening. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. And very he's positive. talking about people that are doing it right. And he mm-hmm. says, um, although you've never seen him, you love him. Positive. Mm-hmm. Even though you don't see him now, you trust him. Positive. Mm-hmm. And you rejoice with a glorious joy that is too much for words. In that life, in that, in living that life now, you are receiving the goal of your faith, your salvation. Mm. You're living within your salvation. 
because you're you're living praising God and understanding it and loving God. And because of that, you're receiving the goal of your faith right now. Mm-hmm. I Which guess, I think is I think that's a I think what he's saying is that that's a blessing. Oh yeah, but I guess I don't because our faith is based on us trusting in Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus. It's a, a it's a living thing. It's hard for me to think of my faith having a goal. My faith is just a, is a relationship. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I, he's not wrong, of course. I'm not disagreeing with him. Well, but it's a different way to look at it. And let me put it in a different context here. In my in the NIV version, which I have right in front of me here, um, nine is a separate verse. Okay. But it is not a separate sentence. Oh, I see. Okay. So it says, um, "You believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith." It is one sentence. Mm. Because it's one sentence. It all ties it together. Yeah. Eight and nine are eight and nine are in this translation. Eight and nine are one sentence. Well, but then it also says you're receiving the end result of your faith. That's right. a little bit different than goal. Yeah, but I mean it's not, but it yeah. is. Yeah, in English I, translation, you, a goal could be an end result. Yes, you could. You know, you could find it in the Bible or in the dictionary that you way. You could, so. but I guess when I hear the word goal, you know, I think of finish line. Yeah, or yeah. well, or like. People have goals in life. They might have fitness goals or diet goals or, you know, goals, work goals or whatever. Right. So, um, so I'm going to read 10 through 12. Okay. Hey, and I want to take a little break here. If you're enjoying these chapter-by-chapter chapter podcasts, let us know. I would Please. really lo- I'd like to know if this, is, if this is helpful, if you'd love to join in the conversation, if you want to be a guest on our show and... And talk to talk along with us. That'd be kind of neat. Um, well, we really enjoy doing it, but we want to make sure that it's something that we could go um, back to the topical, which we will probably. Yeah, we'll we just, do that too. But I think right now this seems to be fitting really well. Yeah. So. So okay. okay. Go ahead. Ten through twelve. Ten through twelve says again in the Common English Bible, the prophets who long ago foretold the grace that you you've received, searched and explored inquiring carefully about this salvation. They wondered what the Spirit of Christ within them was saying when he bore witness beforehand about the suffering that would happen to Christ and the glory that would follow. They wondered what sort of person or what sort of time they were speaking about. It was revealed to them that in their search they were not serving themselves but you. These things which even angels long to examine have now been proclaimed to you by those who brought you the good news. They did this in the power of the Holy Spirit who was sent from heaven. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I mean, I know what he writes is true, mm-hmm. but explain to me how you view it. Is why, why can he say that the prophets from the past were serving us? Because everything that we have prophetic, Old Testament prophecy all the way through, yeah. And we go back into the books of, of the prophets and we, we go through, you know, even into some of the Psalms. But you go into Isaiah and Elijah and all those. You go through all the prophets' writings and so many of them are prophesying about Christ. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, but they knew they were never going to see Christ. Right. And Elijah, you didn't mean he had, he had a book. He no, was but just, just part of the it. things yeah. that the prophets are saying. Right, I'm just right, listing right. some of the prophets. Oh, right, correct. As it goes, as the prophecies of Christ go through, and there are so many in the Old Testament, 
the men that were prophesying that knew that it wasn't going to be probably in their lifetime. Right. I'm not prophesying. They were prophesying for the people right in front of them mm-hmm. about their relationship with God, but also the long term at the same time. Right, because we can read those prophecies. Right, and that's what he's saying is they were told these things for your benefit. And now, with 2020 hindsight, mm-hmm. we get to see all that all the prophecies came through in Christ because we, we know we're, you know, his letter is addressed to people that were living in a time post-resurrection. Right. So they could look at Jesus and they could look at the prophets and it all perfectly lined up. Mm-hmm. And he said, all of those people would have loved to have been you. Mm-hmm. They I, would have loved to have been you because you are receiving the backside of their prophecy and they would have really loved to have been there. And it says that's why it says even angels long oh, to understand I, these things. I'm glad you brought that I like up that. because um, Eugene Peterson had a little thing about the angels part. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this is his explanation. Peter says that angels would have given <clears throat> would have given anything to be in on this. The Greek word used here literally means to lean over to look. Mm-hmm. That little detail is part of a beautiful scene that pictures heaven as a kind of circular balcony stretched out over the earth. Behind the balustrades, the angels are lined up, leaning over, trying to get a look at what's going on. Salvation is what is going on below, an epic drama that spans human history, culminating in personal encounters with God in each and every generation. It provides the same kind of spectator pleasure for the angels that watching a Broadway show does for us, or for you, a Western. The elaborate (laughs) intricacy of the history of salvation provides a never-ending plot, an endlessly unfolding drama with rousing crescendos and standing ovations. It is a passion of angels to lean over the balcony rails of heaven and watch the drama. But you and I are not spectators in the audience. We're the actors on stage. And, oh, I just had a picture of the... We watched this one show, Bally Kiss Angel, and all those people in the bar watching the TV and that Uh horrible... Yeah. Mexican soap, soap opera. opera. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think this is again Peter is speaking to these people who are and I'm he's speaking to Gentiles and Jews. He's speaking to people of all different backgrounds right. that are now Christian. Mm-hmm. So they're coming from different perspectives. And the concept of angels is something that is identified and, and verified through the Bible. But the angels are not above mankind. No. And that that's interesting. It's an interesting concept for a lot of people because they want to put them there. Right, because they're angelic beings. They're Sure. They're, you know. Well, they're they're heavenly beings. Yeah, heavenly beings. But God is God. Here's a thought. And the angels are separate from God and not God. Right. And they are separate from us. Right. And as servants of God, the angels are doing all that kind of stuff, but like Jesus was talking about his second coming, he said, "No one but the Father knows." Yeah. Not even the angels in heaven know when I'm coming right. back. And not he even didn't know. Jesus, which is crazy to me. So I think I think what he's doing is driving home a point mm-hmm. about the fact that concerning this salvation, that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he goes into. Um, that have been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So what he's saying is the prophecies were from the Holy Spirit. He's making that very clear Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And I think the concept 
the way I'm understanding it when, when I'm looking at it here, the concept here is he is reconciling the Old Testament and the New Testament together. Mm-hmm. Because, again, we have varying backgrounds of mm-hmm. people coming in here. We're going to have Greeks. We're going to have Romans. We're going to have Gentiles with all sorts of weird backgrounds right. and, 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 you know, um, polytheistic backgrounds and all sorts mm-hmm. of things. But Jesus came through Israel, mm-hmm. through the Jewish tradition. So the Torah and the Old Testament and all the, all the writings of the prophets are applicable mm-hmm. and uh, necessary. And if you were a believer in Christ, you have accepted the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. he's saying the Holy Spirit was involved in that too. Mm-hmm. I like that because it, it's probably clarifying for some of these churches at this point in time that the Holy Spirit, active all the way along, mm-hmm. did this. Well, I have so. two thoughts here about that. Okay. Um, oh, first, I like how... <laughs> sorry. First, I like how this, this CEB says they wondered what sort of person or what sort... You know, they were wondering about how this was all going to be played out. And I've never thought of that verb with the prophets. But, of course, they did. They're prophesying, but they don't know exactly how Jesus is... You know, they had bare-bones things. And I know that they would, if they'd been here, when it all happened, they were like, oh, that's what he meant. You know, because I think sometimes mm-hmm. God tells us something and our human brains preconceive it. You know, we... It, well, and the the translation, the other, another translation here, it talks about a le- uh, tenant. I'll just read 10 through 12. Okay. Concerning the salvation, the prophets, he spoke of the grace that was to come to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. In other words, they got a full picture of what's coming, and they're trying to figure out, well, when, when, yeah, when, yeah. when, when. It kind of sounds like some of the people now wondering when Jesus is going to oh, come back. yeah. Okay, so here's this. I have another thought. So the prophets were serving future Christians, future believers, are we doing the same thing now? By living for Jesus, are we kind of serving future believers? Of course. That's part of that, just like Jesus served. Mm-hmm. We're, called, we're called to serve as he served. We're called to act as he act and love as he loved. So, yeah, of course. But the difference here is these prophets oh, were this. talking about something they would never experience. Right. We are blessed to live post-resurrection. Sure. Mm-hmm. Was there salvation pre-resurrection? It's a whole other dis- yeah, topic to discuss. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. If you believe right. in Jesus, So let's pick it. up uh, 13. Uh, okay. You want me to read it? Or you uh, read I'll read it? it, 13 through 21. Yeah. Therefore, once you have your minds ready for action and you are thinking clearly, place your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Don't be conformed to your former desires, those that shaped you when you were ignorant. But as obedient children, you must be holy in every aspect of your lives, just as the one who called you is holy. It is written, you will be holy because I am holy. Since you, will, since you call upon a father who judges all people according to their actions without favoritism, you should conduct yourself with reverence during the time of your dwelling in a strange land. Live in this way, knowing that you were, were not liberated by perishable things like silver or gold, from the empty lifestyle you inherited from your ancestors. Instead, you were liberated by the precious blood of Christ, like that of a flawless, spotless lamb. 
Christ was chosen before the creation of the world, but was only revealed at the end of time. This was done for you, who Mm. through Christ are faithful to the God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. So now your faith and hope should rest in God. Amen. I love this. I mean, this is... It echoes a lot of what Paul says when he's talking mm-hmm. to individual churches about individual problems, but he puts this in a very in, in a very clear and concise, but and yet general manner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and he said, "Yes, you're exiles. You're dwelling in this strange land, but live a life of reverence mm-hmm. while you're here." And that that was something Paul ran into and had to deal with people that thought that I'm saved now, I'm free, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, you know that kind of stuff. And he said, "Just don't go back to what you were because right. you're different now." And I like, I did look up another, um, this is called, I had never heard of this translation, the Names of God Bible, Hmm. which sounds very interesting. But the last half of, or 13 in that one says, therefore your minds must be clear and ready for action. Place your confidence completely in what God's kindness will bring you when Yeshua Christ appears again. And that kind of made 13 more clear to me because, uh, so we're, we place our confidence in that when Jesus comes back for us, um, mm-hmm. everything will be fulfilled, I guess. Well, in the end, we're on the right side. Yeah. And the rest of the world will never know that until Jesus returns. Yeah. But put your confidence in the fact that you already know the answer. Yeah. Yeah, don't, I like don't that. be confused. Keep your uh, keep your minds ready for action and think clearly. I guess that will help us think clearly, be ready for action when we know, yeah, Jesus is coming back. We're supposed to be here serving him and loving him and loving others. And that gives us focus on how to live our lives now. And that if we if we keep that in front of us, we won't go back to ways before we were saved. Right. Or we shouldn't anyway. Right. So... Um, okay. And should we just do 22? Through? Yeah, go ahead and well, read that out. We'll this is the end of it, yeah. 22 through 25. The end of the first chapter. Yes, end of first chapter. As you set yourselves apart by your obedience to the truth so that you might have genuine affection for your fellow believers, love each other deeply and earnestly, do this because you have been given new birth, not from the type of seed that decays, but from seed that doesn't. This seed is God's life-giving and enduring word. Thus, All human life on the earth is like grass, and all human glory is like a flower in a field. The grass dries up, and its flower falls off, but the Lord's word endures forever. This is the word that was proclaimed to you as good news. Amen. And I guess that just reminds us that the the one thing that's permanent, eternal, is God's word in our in this world in this life here. And as new creatures, we come from a new seed. Mm, When we're reborn. Mm-hmm. We're not reborn of the perishable seeds, the things like that, the grass that withers and fails. We are from another place. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. And that quote that he puts in there, all people are like grass, is taken from Isaiah 40. Right, right. So he's going back again to the Old Testament and putting mm-hmm. that in there. Another little, this is what the prophets say. Yeah, So true. I think that's really good, too. Yeah, and, anyway. And he ends this first chapter by saying and this was the word that was preached to you it's good news preached to you by jesus preached to you by me preached to you by paul preached to you by anyone who is truly a follower of christ this is the word they're preaching oh is that love one another 
Now that you've purified yourself, sincere love for each other. Love each one another deeply from the heart. I love that. Yeah. I love that concept. And, you know, that's, I guess it's, I love the concept of love. Um, I just love, I, 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 I'm happy that it comes full circle again. Mm-hmm. It comes from Paul. It comes from Peter. It comes from Jesus. It comes through all the other letters. It comes from James. It mm-hmm. comes through John. John speaks about it a lot in his letters. It comes through the writer of Hebrews. Yep. Uh, it comes through all those, <laughs> all of those things. That's um, our little really joke. stress a lot. Really, really stress. Okay, so here the fact that oh, love is the overarching thing of everything. Yeah. So oh. now that all these things have happened, love, love one another deeply. All right. I, I you know, I like the clarity of that too. Yeah, love one another deeply. Um, You've received all these things. You're living. You have a living hope. You have all this promise from God. You have a guarantee of heaven. You have salvation through Christ. Why not love all this stuff? Now, what you're <laughs> supposed to do next? Love one another love deeply. Love one another deeply. Uh, the message says, love one another as if your lives depended on it. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. And uh, there's a question in here in, in this devotional Bible. It says, okay. in what ways have you found that your new life is not like your old life? If you can think of what it was like before you fo- started following Jesus. I mean, do you remember anything that is different? In what way? What do you mean? Like, how is... Life with Christ different than life without Christ. Oh, it's hugely different. It's hugely different because my motivations are different. Um, because you're you're now motivated by your love of Christ motivates you to love the rest of the world. Mm, mm-hmm. What would it be other than that? Well, people live to please others, trying to that's get pleasing favor. others, that's yeah. not loving others. Right, right. You what just, else is there that we have? There's nothing that compares. That is our motivation. Yeah. And without that motivation, or without that concept of salvation, there is no hope. Mm-hmm. And if there's no hope, there's no joy. If there's no joy, there can be no love. I will say that um, we're having vacation Bible school this week. Shannon already mentioned that at our church. And... Uh, I know with the kids, and really with everybody, everybody wants to belong somewhere. And I think one thing, when I became a Christian, I finally had my own people. Mm. The family of God. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing quite like that. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting concept in and of itself, because um, as exiles, foreigners living in a foreign land... Um, we run into a lot of other foreigners. Yeah. You know, it's a joke. It's a common joke. Um, South Dakota is the second least populated state in the country. But anywhere you go, somebody knows somebody from South Dakota. It's yeah. just, oh, we're yeah, the, I got a cousin that lived out there. Or something. We're the second least populated? Yeah, Wyoming is smaller than us. I think that's the only one. Wyoming is? Yeah, Wyoming has a smaller population than South Dakota. I think North Dakota is larger. Um... By not much. Yeah, not but, much. It can't be much. But Who wants it's to amazing there? because <laughs> a lot of people would... I mean, we are a flyover country. A lot of people couldn't find us on a map. Right. But there's connections everywhere. Yeah. And it's the same thing. 
<coughs> here is that, yeah, we do have family. We have brothers and sisters in Christ yeah. all over the place. Hey, I want to so. just give a a, a little, um, what do you call it, a promotion, not promotion, a preview of First okay. Peter chapter okay. 2. Just, just short and quick. We learn about some of our roles. Yes, what we do with it now. Yes, what we do with it. This is where you are is where Peter starts this. And this um, is where you should go. This is where we're going from here. Yes. Yeah. And next week, that's where we're going. For, well, week not after next week. Next. Week after. I'm not going to be here next Jane's week. Jane's going to be gone. She's leaving me for a whole week to go back to communist Illinois and, and spend time with her family. So Okay, that is just a joke. So if you're from Illinois and you're a lover of Illinois... He was just joking. Well, but yes, I would partially. say if you're from Illinois, it would be good for you to move to South Dakota. We're a lot more free out here. <laughs> but uh, we love you. So. We love everybody. Thanks for listening. Yes. God bless. Bye bye.